As I said, uh, we're launching the Christmas offering today, and this is an offering that uh, we do every year at this time. And we, the last year, uh, a major portion went to the Alhambra campus since we launched it, and it's an effort really to further our mission, extend ourselves beyond our border as it was, and reach into a new community, and so we gave a major portion to that. And then we also support uh, some other ministries uh, through the Christmas offering, and a smaller portion uh, goes to those last year at least, and this year the same thing. We're going to be supporting uh, a building and expansion fund that I mentioned last week here, uh, the major portion here in Diamond Bar, so that we can have the room to grow and I'll explain more about that in a moment. And then a smaller portion will go to, to some other ministries. But here is our goal. Our goal is $25,000. And we're down at the bottom of the ornament. If you can see, that's our growth, our progress. <laughs> we're just starting. So <laughs> it's just launching today. Um, as I said, the major portion of the offering will go to our building and expansion fund, and I'm, I want to take some time this morning to sort of have a talk around the church's kitchen table as to why we're doing that, what it means, and what it's all about. Um, but I'll talk about that in a moment. A smaller portion of the Christmas offering is going to go to these things listed here. Uh, Central Asia, where we have members serving to uh, meet the needs of the folks in their country they're in, and help develop skills, job skills, and leadership skills to, to move forward. Uh, another portion will go to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, which is an offering that our denomination takes up and sends out to missionaries throughout the world. It's the largest missions organization that exists. Um, another portion will go to the 17.6 network, which is a network of churches we belong to, focused on multiplying life-changing churches throughout the cities of the world. Uh, another portion will go to Christian Challenge Campus Ministry, which is uh, a ministry that connects and helps college students come to know Christ and grow in Him. And then another portion will go to local community needs uh, to meet the practical needs of people in our communities directly or through organizations that are focused on that. So. Uh, we're going to set that money aside and uh, think through how best to, to serve people that way. So in the weeks coming, we'll share more about the various ministries that are mentioned on here, but we're giving the largest portion of the offering to the Building and Expansion Fund, so I'd like to focus on the reason for that today. Uh, it's the first time really that I've talked about the reasoning behind this. I mentioned it last week briefly, but going to talk about what we're thinking and what we're doing and, and what we've been praying about. We've been praying and looking for a new place to meet uh, for the Sunday service in Diamond Bar because we've maxed out in the kids' space. Obviously, we've got room in here. Sometimes we're more full than this, sometimes not, but we have room to grow in here, but in the kids' space, we are packed because we know how to have children at Church of the Valley. So we, they are crammed in there. And there's actually two classes that don't have a place to meet, so we've had to do something different with those. But 
we're full in the kids' space, and so we've been looking, we've been praying and looking for a new place to meet, actually for several years, um, and we're seeking the Lord's provision and direction for that. When, when we began the church, way, way back there, um, our intent was to use rented facilities as long as it made sense to do so, as long as it was prudent uh, to use rented facilities rather than buy. And the reason for that is we've, we've, we've just tried to invest our money in the ministry who make, in the people who make the ministry happen rather than in a building. A building is a tool. This, this place has been a fantastic tool. I've been grateful to be here. It's a really nice place to be. But a building is a tool. It's not the church. The church is the people. We used to do this thing in Sunday school. I, I just have fun with it. You know, we used to do this thing. It's like, here's the church. Here's the steeple. Open the door, and there's all the people. Okay, that's, that's really not a great picture of what the church is. Because the church is not the building with the steeple. If you really did the illustration, you'd just go, there's all the people. That's, that's the church right there. <laughs> it's not as fun as the little steeple with the pinkies and the door with your thumbs. You know, it's just not as fun. But the church is made up of people. And buildings are tools that we use. And so what we've tried to do through the years is focus on the body of Christ, the people that are involved and uh, the people that God's brought together to serve him and to accomplish our mission. So we've obviously waited a while, and for the first time in 28 years, we're going to begin a building and expansion fund at Church in the Valley. And the reason is we've maxed out our space in the kids' area. Whenever you run out of space... In parking, worship area for the adults, or the kids' space, your growth is hindered. Your growth is slowed, sometimes even, even thwarted. It's very difficult to include more and more people in what's going on, when, especially when you drop off your child and it looks like there's no room for them in there. If you're a new parent, you know, the regulars, we're used to that. Uh, but new folks that come around, they get a little concerned when they see what's going on. And so our, our mission is to reach out and include more and more people in the life of what's going on here. And so prudence toward this goal would say it's time to look for more permanent space. That's, that's what we've decided. And so we've established the Building and Expansion Fund to be intentional and prepare to move when the Lord gives an opportunity. If the Lord gave us an opportunity to lease or purchase something next week, we, we aren't ready for that. And so the, the reasoning for this, this fund is to start getting prepared for whatever opportunity God gives us in terms of purchasing or leasing something. There are two per possibilities. We could purchase property, uh, we could lease a warehouse or an industrial space and build it out. If we purchase something, we're going to need a down payment, and then we'll need to make the payments. Uh, if we lease, we will likely need to build it out and purchase equipment to furnish it. So either way, 
it's prudent that we start getting prepared for this, for what's next here at the Diamond Bar campus. And so the reason we're launching the fund now is because we want to be prepared for the opportunity that the Lord provides. This, this is what's going on behind why we're doing this. We're currently committed at our office warehouse space where we have leadership meetings and other meetings, training goes on there. We're currently committed there through November 2016. And my hope is that by November, that's 12 months from now, by then, my hope is that we would have a plan moving forward that, that would include like the location where we're going to end up and all that. But I'm not going to push the Lord. I'm, I'm on his schedule. I'm trying to stay on his schedule, I'm not trying to run ahead of him. So we're going to find out what, what the Lord says and how he provides and where he points us to go. But since we want to be prepared, we've opened up this fund uh, to uh, get prepared. We're going to use the money, first of all, to pay down debt. We incurred some debt uh, when we launched the Alhambra campus. It started out at, at like $52,000, and now it's down to fourteen dollars uh, after this month. So we've, we've really paid it down, but we're going to... It, it makes sense as we get ready to purchase something or, or build something out that we pay off that debt first. So we're going to use that. Uh, $10,000 has come in for the building and expansion fund. I announced it to the leaders in June. Then the, the, those who came to the annual business meeting in August, and so people began to give. Uh, there's a way to give on the website, and you, you could actually just mark it on the, the envelope here too, but people have been giving. And um, so we're at 10000 so far. And what we've been able to do to this point, the Lord's been blessing so much, is we've been able to keep that money aside. We've, we've paid the amount that's come in down on the debt, and we've also kept the money in, the, in a fund so far. So far, so good. We're really grateful for the way God's, God's blessing uh, financially right now. But this is what we're planning to do uh, with the money as it comes in. And it, it looks like, Lord willing, the, the debt will be paid off fairly soon. Um, the projected costs for uh, building out something or building on land or purchasing a building, th these are really rough uh, estimates, but they're based on a 30,000 square foot building. This building's 22,000 square feet, and we're we're full, we need more space. And so we're estimating that 30,000 square foot building would, would accomplish our purpose for now. Um, and the projected cost for building it out, this is probably a low cost, is 200,000 plus a conditional use permit, which is $6,952 uh, based on the figures we're guessing, estimating. Um, and likely, to build on land, four and a half acres of land is what we need for the number of people we would like to be able to grow into, and then that would be $8.8 .8 million, sort of staggering uh, number. But hey, I've seen God provide. He, he does what he wants to do. He provides. I, one thing I've been learning over these 28 years is 
when God wants to do something, he does it. He, he has the resources to accomplish whatever he wants and however he wants to do it. And so, anyway, that's an idea of what the costs are. So what that means is our initial goal for this building and expansion fund is $130,000. The $30,000 was to pay down the debt when we set the goal. That's much lower. Um, and likely, when obviously by the figures I just shared, when we figure out what God's saying to move to, we're going to need to raise more money. So this is just an initial goal to get us more prepared than we currently are. Uh, and this all brings us back to the uh, Christmas offering, which is a goal of 25000 uh, for now. And that will help us move toward the goal for the building and expansion fund as we go. But I, I wanted to roll that out, explain all that, um, just so you would know why we're putting that in the offering. I don't typically like to have... Uh, two major efforts going on in fundraising, so we built it into the Christmas offering. And that space will really help us reach out and include more people in the life of the congregation and help us as we meet people who don't know the Lord Jesus yet or who want to reconnect with the church and decide to follow him uh, more seriously. It'll help us include them in what we're doing, and that's part of our mission. And so that, that's, that's why Jesus was born. So it all fits into uh, the Christmas offering that we're doing. All right, I want to shift gears into the message for the day. And what we're doing is we're wrapping up the series on the life of Paul. And we've been looking at some highlights from the journey of his life and how God used him in significant ways as he walked through life. Uh, we've looked at his dramatic conversion from persecutor of Christians to an evangelist, helping other people come to know Christ, starting churches all over the Roman Empire. Uh, we looked at the message that he shared that burned in his heart and has a power of its own. The gospel message has, has this power to it as you hear it. God uses it to turn lights on and help you understand uh, what it's all about. And then last week, we looked at his power source, which is prayer, talking to God, relying on God. God gave the power he needed to serve and to move forward as he asked for help. As we've looked at some of the highlights of Paul's life, we, we hope you've been able to connect dots and see how God is leading you on your journey that you're walking through in life. And we hope you've been able to identify some steps that you could take here and now with what you're facing in life. Today, we're going to look at how Paul zeroed in on his goal, his mission, and he didn't allow adversity to derail him in pursuit of God's goals for him. And it turns out that this Facing adversity, pushing through it, not allowing it to derail him, was a key to his influence. This is really important. Choosing faith in the face of adversity is um, inspiring. It's 
If we're facing an uncertain future, we, we choose faith. It inspires the people around us. When a person chooses to trust God in spite of their circumstances, in spite of what's going on, the things that challenge them, it gives a picture to everybody around them of what it's like to do that. My dad was uh, an, a, a major influence in my life and my faith and my trust in God. And as he faced trouble toward the end of his life, Cindy and I took care of uh, my parents for five years. Primarily, Cindy took care of my parents for five years. Uh, my dad for three and a half and my mom for five. Uh, they moved in with us, and, and so we cared for them. But as I watched them face the end of their life and the trouble that comes with that, uh, I, I was reminded over and over again of how everybody goes through trouble. We all deal with trouble. We all deal with adversity, challenge, and we struggle. But faith, God gives us an edge as we face the trouble that we do. As we deal with adversity, God really helps. And words can help. Perspective is needed. Watching others respond to things, though, and, and choosing faith, choosing to trust God, leaves a powerful impression on our heart. With my dad, um, I went to the hospital one time, and he was dealing with some health health trouble. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was serious. He was probably 90, 91 at the time. That's what happens when you're 90, 91. You deal with serious things. And um, I went in and I, I said, hey, Dad, how you doing? And he said, well, Randy. And he would, he would have this certain way. He'd kind of go, Randy, I'm having some trouble turning this over to God. Would you pray for me? And so... I, uh, <clears throat> I prayed with him. That was at night. Prayed with him, asked God to give him faith, give him strength to work through it. Next morning, I walked in, and I said, Hey, Dad, how you doing? And he said, I gave it to God. I turned it over last night. And he was very settled in his heart as to whatever would happen. He was going to trust that to God. The day he died, um, I went in, there, he was, he, all of his organs were shutting down, and the doctors were saying, you know, I think this is the end. They, they never know, they're guessing, but um, he had an op opportunity to do dialysis on his kidney. The doctor thought, well, maybe that'll start it. So I asked my dad, hey, do you want to do this? And he said, well, nothing else is working, <laughs> so let's give it a shot, you know, because there was danger in just doing the procedure. Well, I walked in the next morning, and they had... It wasn't a breathing machine, but they had a machine on his face right here that was shoving uh, ox or air down his throat. And he said, Randy, is this thing keeping me alive? And I said, maybe so, Dad. I don't know. I hadn't had a chance to talk to anybody. And he said, take it off. And that was a lesson for me. You watch people respond, and the lesson is, do not hang on to life when it's time to go. I, these are things I won't forget. Yeah, I, 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 won't, I won't forget this. He, my dad, thankfully, gave me a picture of faith in the face of the, the adversity of moving toward death. I have a mentor, Harold Bullock, who uh, has been my mentor for over 30 years. 
He's about 10 years ahead of me. And there's not much that I'm starting to go through that he hasn't already been through. And, for instance, I just had my gallbladder removed about 10 years ago or so, maybe 13, he had his removed. <laughs> so we have these conversations, but I'm really, I'm watching his life as he chooses what he chooses. And it's his example that draws me forward in the face of adversity. I was part of his congregation in Fort Worth when his little girl, Natalie, died. And um, they, he and his wife, Deborah, lost their child when she was nine month, months old to uh, a flu that was going through uh, the, the city, the area at the time. And the entire congregation was watching as he and Deborah walked through this. The first time that he came back, I think they took a month to six weeks off, but the first time he came back to speak, I remember him pounding on the podium and saying, God will not rip me off, and I will not curse him. That kind of picture leaves an indelible impression <laughs> in your memory. It shows me how to respond in the worst circumstance that I can imagine. He has a quote. He says, I'm going to live my life and I'm going to be kind of like a bomber. You know, I have a mission, I'm trying to accomplish something, and uh, this is the picture he gives. I'm just going to, I'm going to fly along, I'm going to drop all the bombs that God gives me that for, my pur for his purpose, and then, after I'm out, I'm going to just turn the plane into the target <laughs> and try to accomplish what he wants me to do. What a picture. And that's his, his picture of the choices he's making as he walks toward the end of his life or just, that's what really helps me. This, this gives me a picture of the choices I can make so that God can use me the words these men have spoken have been helpful, but watching the life they've lived has impacted me the most. The actions made their faith real to me as they've chosen to respond to different things going on, and I imagine it's been the same for you. As you think about people who've influenced you, it's, it's their actions, it's their choices, it's the response to what's going on, the adversity, the challenge, the struggle, that really impacts us. If we want to become people of influence in the lives of those around us, this is what it takes. We have to fight through adversity. We have to respond to challenge in faith. And trust God with these things. And then we're able to influence in the people in the way that Paul did. In the way that these men have influenced me. We all want to be a help. We want to be an influence to our family, our friends, our co-workers, our neighbors. We want to influence them toward the right things. We want to help them move toward that. We influence others as they're watching the choices we make when we respond to the trouble we're facing. 
As we respond to blessing, they're also watching. It's just not as, it's, it's not as tough in one way to respond to blessing. Hey, this is great. Yeah. But who gets the credit really matters. If we thank God for it, that, that also influences them. But primarily, the, the indelible impressions are made as the eyes around are watching and you choose to push forward in faith to trust God and watch Him work. So today, we're going to look at how God makes us into people of influence, how, how He does that, what He does. To begin to grasp this, we're going to look at how it happened in Paul's life. As you read through his life, and you find the highlights in, of his life and ministry in the book of Acts, as you read through his life, you see constant pressure and trouble, and what most of us would describe as deep trouble. It, it, it was not easy. But Paul was focused like a laser and zeroed in on fulfilling God's mission for him. And so he pushed through the challenges. He refused to allow them to derail him. That, that's far from the path of success and fulfillment that we normally think of as we want to rise to a person of influence in the lives around us. But that's the price of an influencer. This, this is what it takes. To build our influence with others, God leads us into deep waters. Uh, I don't know if you remember when you learned to swim. I don't. I do remember helping my kids learn to swim. And, you know, there's sort of a process. You, you put them on the edge of the pool, and then you try to talk them into jumping into the water, and you, you promise to catch them, and then you move back a little ways, you ask them to jump, you know, jump in or get in, and then try to swim to you, and you'll catch them if they need it. And, and the process goes on and on, and then you keep stepping back, you keep stepping back, so they, they gain some confidence that they can go further and further. This is, this is a picture of what God does with us. He, he leads us into the water and then into deep waters to build our faith, to strengthen our confidence in Him. This is the pattern. It's, it's a picture of how we get stretched in life. God allows the circumstances in our life to bring us to the point where we have to trust Him more and more and more than we ever have previously, and he, we, we get into the water, he leads us into the deep water so that we will swim to him, so that we will rely on him as we deal with the things that are going on. Now, why does God lead this way? Why, why does he do this? First, when we get beyond ourselves, we realize we need his help. It's one reason he does it. Here's a brief sampling of <clears throat> the adversity that Paul faced in his ministry in 2 Corinthians 11, 24, 28. Five times, he says, I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes less one. This is what Jesus faced. Of course, he faced much worse, but it's being flogged with a whip. Three times I was beaten with rods. This was the Gentile Roman way of punishing those thought to be criminals. Uh, and he was being beaten for his attempt to share Christ with people. So three times he was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, he was taken out. People hurled big rocks at him to kill him. Three times I was shipwrecked. 
Acts 27 records one of those shipwrecks. A night and day I was adrift at sea, on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, uh, in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, and cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. So th- th- this, is, this is where God led Paul. <laughs> that's, that's serious trouble. This is, this is adversity. But Paul pushed through the adversity because he really cared about the people in the churches that he had started, and God had given him the assignment to get the word, the gospel, the good news about Christ to as many people as he was able. So in trying to help them, God kept pushing him way out past his limits so that he would rely on him. Listen to what he says at the beginning of this book. 2 Corinthians, about the purpose of trouble. 2 Corinthians 1.9, Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death, but that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He's the one that has the power to handle this situation. This is how God grows influencers. This, This is how he does it. He pushes us to get beyond ourselves so that we can't rely on our own resources, our own instincts, and our past experiences. He keeps pushing us to stretch us. We have to trust him as he leads us forward. When we trust him, we give a picture to those around us of what it means to walk with God through the adversity that we're facing. And we begin to become an influence on those as they watch us handle the pressure of life. In your own life right now, no doubt God is pushing you out there further into deeper waters. If you know Christ and you're walking with him, this is what you can expect. This is what God does. This isn't to scare you. This is not why he's doing it. But it's it's to cause you to trust him to rely on him, and to depend on him like never before. This this is the pattern. This is what happened with Paul. This is what happens with us. Here's another thing we, we learned from the way Paul handled trouble. God's power is most clearly displayed in our weaknesses. Seems backwards, but this is, this is how it works. This is what happens. Paul hit a point in his life where he experienced a relentless spiritual attack that most believe was tied to a physical ailment. He prayed, he asked God to remove it, he asked God for healing, but gained no relief. God said no. But again, it was for a purpose. Here it is, 2 Corinthians 12. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will all the more gladly boast of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Does that seem upside down? I mean, this is not... This is not what you hear in our world. 
It's the strong that survive and thrive. This is completely upside down. Every time I am weak, I naturally want to get past it quick. Maybe I head to the doctor, maybe I try to get rid of the weakness in some way, I rest, I recover, whatever. I want to get over it. I want to get rid of the weakness as quick as I can if, I, if I'm able and move on. Paul wanted to do the same. He kept asking God, God, would you take this away? Would you do this? Would you do that? No. God left it. And this was Paul's conclusion. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Because Paul had this perspective. He looked at weaknesses from a very different angle than we do. He was able to boast in what God was doing through his weakness. And, and this is, for us, a foundational perspective that we must choose if God's going to use us to influence others in the right way. We, we need to adopt this perspective. What are your common reactions and attitudes to feeling overextended? overwhelmed, weak, struggling with hard things. What are, your, what are your normal reactions? I think we can have similar reactions. Statements and thoughts come to mind like, why is this happening to me? Why? Bad things shouldn't happen to good people. I'm trying to do good. I'm trying to help. Why is this going on? What's happening here? I, I'm a Christian. Where is God in all this? Where is he? What is happening? Why doesn't God just take this away? Why doesn't he do it? Once those questions start rattling around in our brain, our tendency is to power up and try to find the strength in ourselves. If God says no, if God leaves the pressure on so that we need to trust him in the middle of it, the temptation is power up trying to find a way out of it ourselves. Let's, let's figure this out. Let's get past this. How can I do this? Paul shows us what to do instead of that knee-jerk response. Place our confidence in God who works through our weaknesses to display his power. It's an amazing thing. It really is. If we learn that God's power is on display as we have less power and struggle, how much more hope can we have in the midst of those weaknesses and struggles? the hardships, the difficulty, the adversity. When we face overwhelming things, instead of powering up and trying to trust our own strength, what if we responded with a quiet trust in God that he's going to use this for his purpose? If I don't cave in right now, the right thought is, if I don't cave in right now to my despair, God can accomplish what he wants through this. We do what we can, yet wait for him to work. We stay inside his boundaries. We stay inside the, the things he's lined out for us to do in certain situations, and we trust him. I was reading Isaiah 64.4 this week, and it's a description of God, and he, it says that he is a unique God who, whom no one has seen a God like him no one has seen a God besides you who acts for those who wait for him. Whenever the weaknesses hit, the adversity comes, our tendency is to find our own strength to work, work it out, to deal with it, to handle it. 
if we do what we can and trust God to work through it, he acts on our behalf. If we step out on our own, we never see him act. And, and this is what God wants. God wants us to trust him in the middle of these things. When we choose faith like this, God is also using us to influence the people around us. People are watching as we encounter and handle hard things, trying circumstances. You, you never know how something might click with your kids or with a friend or with a coworker as you respond the right way in the middle of tough times. God becomes real as we choose not to bail out on following God, not to give up on doing it His way, and we follow Him through the trouble. This is a major way that we influence those around us. Many, many people have inspired and influenced me this way. This is the way it's happened. They've chosen faith in the midst of adversity, and I'm grateful for the picture that's given me of how to do that myself. And the bottom line is that a major part of our influence in the lives of others will grow out of our weaknesses as we trust God with them. It'll grow out of, out of our adversity, the challenges we face, as we trust God with our weaknesses and adversity. As we close out the service today, I'd like to ask you, if you would, to take out the connection card that's, that you hopefully looked at earlier in the service and began to fill out. I'd like to ask you if you could take the time to complete any information on that that you haven't had an opportunity to complete. And then uh, I'm going to share some next steps that you may want to take after hearing the message. When the offering ushers come around, you can drop that card in the offering. That'd be a big help. Here are two next steps that you might want to take after today's message. The Lord may have brought something else to mind. There may be some steps that you'd like to take yourself, but here are my suggestions. First of all, ask God for help to respond the right way to a difficulty I'm facing. Just ask God either right now or throughout the week for, for help with this, that you'd You'd see the opportunity for God to display his power in the weakness and trust him to do that. And then uh, another step could be pray for someone that's on your heart that's going through a difficult time. Pray for them this week that their confidence in God would, would grow. Maybe a, some adversity doesn't come to your own personal struggle or weakness doesn't come to your mind, but someone around you. So pray for them. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the truth we see in your word that guides and directs and helps us. Thank you for the, the way that you speak to us right where we need the help. And we honor you and we thank you for the way that you work and for the, the privilege of trusting you in the middle of adversity and weakness, God. And I, I ask that you would really uh, give us the strength to trust you and to rely on you in the middle of the pressure that we're facing right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.